Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to our show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. All of these books are available at Amazon in paperback and ebook format, nine volumes. And if you're an audiophile, check out volumes one through eight at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. And now, may I introduce you to my brother and co host, W.J. Sheehan. No, <laughs> I tricked you. KJ, like, wait Sheehan. a minute. <laughs> <laughs> KJ, my brother Kevin Sheehan. Kev, how are you, brother? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got you. Good. I was like, wait a minute. He's introducing himself. <laughs> this is a trick podcast. <laughs> Getting ready for Halloween, a little trick or treat. <laughs> Oh, man, yeah, well, you know, I had a rough day in the city today, I told you, we drove in there to Upper Manhattan, Yeah. and I'll tell you, man, every time I'm in the city, I'm glad I live where I live. <laughs> and you're not exactly a country boy either, so that tells you something. Yeah, that's just, uh, man, talk it's about tough. it. It's a lot yeah. of people there. Yeah, and I, I've seen T-shirts through the years. Somebody made up T-shirts that say, instead of New York, it says Zoo York, Z-O-O. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely nailed it with that, man. Uh, mm. I told you I was using that Waze uh, driving application, driving app. Yep, yep. That, that took, took me for a tour of Queens. Uh, I, was, I was so turned around... Uh, up this street, down that street. I didn't know where I was. At one point, I rode by uh, City Field, the New York Mets Stadium. Oh, yeah. And then it was down this street, up that one over here, down there. And I was just like, forget it, man. Uh, you know, <laughs> if that thing had gone out on me when I was in there, I wouldn't have known where I was. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. Once you commit, which I'm a big waves believer, by the way. But once you commit to it. It takes you down some paths, and you're like, if this thing dies. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. Here we go. Yeah, thankfully, uh, (laughs) hopefully I don't have to go in there uh, ever again. I don't know if that's going to happen, but, uh, you know, sometimes when you go to places, you realize, well, you haven't been there in a while. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, it's uh, challenging. I mean, it's just so many people there. It's kind of crazy, it's right? Great. I mean, that's just the concentration of the population in such a small place, right? Like, even when you're there, I know it takes forever to get from A to B when you're on Manhattan Island. But when you drive across it, for example, you know, east to west or west to east, you're like, this place is relatively small. Yeah, it's not that you know? big and it's jammed. Yeah. But uh, eight million or nine million people on the island. Yeah, and today, I mean, by the time the podcast airs, it'll be done. Uh, but uh, President Biden was in there today at the UN, and uh, police. Yeah, that'll that'll slow things down a little. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> police cars racing all over the place. They got those double length buses in there. They're like two buses in one, like a bus towing a bus. Yeah. Snake mean, bus. Yeah, just that's a, a cryptid for you. Snake bus. Put a big green uh, head on it, and there you go. <laughs> Remember some of them dumb shows, the movies like Killdozer? Oh, I was just going to say Killdozer. Hey, that was that was creepy back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that one with a car too that like flashed its headlights and then Christine. Oh, that hey. was Stephen King. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Christine. <I'm, laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, me myself, I prefer a good mummy or a Frankenstein. <laughs> you know. I, I, I forgot about Killdozer, though, but I was a kid back then. That was pretty creepy when I first saw it. It was probably 11 o'clock at night, too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Which good. I wasn't supposed to be watching it. And you know. uh, what was the other one uh, with the vicious St. Bernard? Cujo. Cujo, there you go. That was another Stephen King book. Another Stephen King, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pet Cemetery, all the beauties. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, anyways, <laughs> let's jump right into it, bro. Uh, cryptids in the news and other oddities. What are we... Uh, yeah, so- speaking of Cujo, ah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to review an account uh, of the Michigan Dog Man. Oh, yes. One of my favorites. Yeah, not if he's next to you. <laughs> no, and I'm looking out my window just to make sure I don't see the outline of some big pointy ears and red eyes looking at. Yeah, I don't think if the dog, this. I don't think if the dog man shows up, he's going to be interested in eating your red tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a lot of glass on the back of this house too. It's not a good place to hide from the dog man. Ay ay ay. So what do you got, damn it? Yeah, so, uh, you know, just a little bit of review. We have covered the Dogman once before, but this is a different account. But the Dogman's been around since the first documented sighting in 1887 in a place called Wexford County, Michigan. And uh, Wexford County is up in kind of the northwest portion of the lower part of the state, or the mitten part of the state, as I would affectionately call it. Yep. And, uh, you know, the dog man is rumored to be about seven feet tall and have either, it has different colored eyes in different accounts, either blue-eyed, amber-eyed, or, Bill, what color? Well, it would have to be red. Red glowing eyes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it is a bipedal creature like uh, Bigfoot or Sasquatch, but it has the head of a wolf or, you know, vicious canine. 
and it has a fearsome howl that sounds like a human scream. All right. You know, I can only think of how that would be. You know, I'm out my deck last night, and the past couple of nights, um, it's dark. The woods is behind me, and I hear the uh, uh, great horned owl back there. So now that bugger comes around occasionally, but the past two days, late at night, I'm out there and I hear that bugger back there. I can't imagine being up against the woods, uh, walking along, uh, and then hearing something like that let out. I mean, it would no. just it would just freeze you in your tracks. Yep. Unbelievable. Yep. So, you know, this, we're going to talk about an account um, from 2000, but first we're going to go back and look at one of the uh, famous accounts very briefly um, that happened um, back in 1937 in Paris, Michigan, not Paris, France, but Paris, Michigan, uh-huh. where a guy named Robert Fortney was attacked by five wild dogs. So, you know, that's not that interesting. But he said one of the five dogs walked on two legs and was bigger than the others. Wow. So, yeah. So kind of like a dog man that's leading a pack of uh, wild dogs. Wow. That's freaking interesting. I know. Totally weird. uh, The guy survived, obviously, to tell the tale. He did. He did. He did. And they had similar stories around uh, the surrounding counties in the 1950s and uh, in 1967 as well. All around that area? All around that area of someone being attacked by a pack of wild, wild dogs, but that at least one of them walked on its hind legs. Wow, that is freaky deaky, man. Can you imagine seeing that? No, I can't. You know, when I was young, Kev, I used to have some paper routes. And oh, yeah, I, me I, too. One of the most frightening things was some vicious oh. dog, and usually you knew where they were. Yeah. And all of a sudden you'd think, okay, it's not around today, and that sucker would come busting out like hell on wheels uh, with the intent of trying to bite you. Hmm. And uh, I can't imagine a group of dogs like wolves or anything uh, coming at you and you just don't know which way to turn. No. Boy, oh no. boy. Yeah, so I'm, I'm this mo- more modern account I'm going to uh, read about comes from the Battle Creek Inquirer publication from Battle Creek, Michigan. And uh, this this area is in the southern part of the state uh, southwestern part, so a little south of the classic Dogman Encounters. And it's just east of the city of Kalamazoo, which many people have heard of, and pretty far west of the cities of Detroit or Ann Arbor, Michigan as well. So kind of the southwestern part of the mitten of Michigan. Okay, pretty far from the original. Pretty far, you know, I would say a few hundred miles south of okay. it, but kind of directly south. Okay. So, you know, and this, this woman uh, writes, uh, well, this author writes, 
Nick Buckley, and then we're going to talk about another author that's quoted in here. Um, but the, the intersection, it occurred at the intersection of Dickman and Clark Roads, and a 28-year-old pregnant woman slowed her vehicle for what appeared to be a dog crossing the street huh. back in the year 2000. And as she watched the mangy, gray-furred creature go past on all fours, you know, it was lit up by her headlights, she says about 15 feet away, but as it got to the side of the road, it stood up on its hind legs, and it turned around and looked directly out, directly back at the woman. Yeah, you know, that's one thing about Dogman, and I've had, I have a few accounts, like everything else, we'll get to them eventually. They yeah. are brazen. They yeah. will stay you down and charge you uh, like it's nothing. Yeah. They're very aggressive. Yeah. So I, I've, I haven't heard of a dog man yet uh, just fleeing from somebody or turning and walking no. away. Yeah, they don't seem to be shy. No, right? that's a good word, shy. They're not shy. They're not shy. Yeah. So there's a woman, uh, Linda Godfrey, that is an author as well. And uh, some of these stories were recounted to her, and then she's telling them in this article. So so Linda Godfrey, who is a journalist and a self-described investigator of strange creatures and cryptids, uh, she was uh, contacted by this woman, and the woman only goes by an alias name, by Nellie. And she says, uh, so Godfrey says, people always tell me the same thing when they see these things. Uh, it's as if people go through a file in their brain, figuring out what this creature could be. And there's no match or no answer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, seeing animals doing things outside of the purview of their characteristics is very unnerving. Yeah. Right. Which we've talked about that before, where, you know, you're you're kind of trying to do the match of what you're seeing. Yeah. And like that police officer up in Whitehall, New York, yep. you know, famously said, I found myself looking at something that I knew or I had thought my whole life did not exist. Yeah. And this kept and this, this takes us back to the taking of photographs. You know, people don't realize until it happens to them. uh you're not necessarily in a frame of mind in that moment when something really strange, uh, you're confronted with something really strange. Even if you have a camera in the moment, the first thing you're thinking of uh, is not grab the camera and take a photograph quick. Yeah. You could be in like a, a, a mental stupor for a minute, like what the... You know, and when it when it doesn't happen to you, it's very hard to uh, quantify that. Uh, but I know from experience that does happen. And you're kind of like in a daze for whatever amount of time it may be as your mind is trying to make sense of the unsensible. No doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. No freaky. doubt about it. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so so. That she talks about this woman, Linda Godfrey, the, the uh, author and researcher. She says that when she's heard about these in uh, Michigan, the dogman encounters, she said there seems to be a commonality of the presence of a graveyard 
and or a military installation. And the area around this Battle Creek siding has both what's called Fort Custer Training Center, formerly known as Camp Custer, as well as the nearby Harmonia Cemetery. Hmm. So, you know, and they all different theories there. You know, maybe the spirits of the dead can communicate with these dogmen or vice versa. Who knows? I wonder, you don't know, Kev. I mean, it's it's stupid, but you might. I wonder if Custer's like an armored division training area. Mm, that's a good question. I, if I one, of, one of the listeners knows anything about that, shoot us an email at BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Yeah, no, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And then we're, we're wrapping it up here, but it's pretty interesting. So the woman, right, her... Her fake name is Nellie. She says, she told Linda Godfrey, the shape of its body was like a young boy. As it stood straight up, full posture, and looked at me, I got very scared. Hmm. She says, an animal doesn't have emotions, but this animal seemed like it had emotions. It had weird eyes. Wow. Yeah, get this. So she says... The creature had ears like a German shepherd, but it had a boyish boyish face like a human. And she said it appeared to be hungry. Oh. <laughs> you know, Kev, we, we have talked many times about your sixth sense, your feeling of being watched oh. and whatnot. What a statement to make. That I know. it seemed to have emotions. Where does that come from in a human being? Yeah, where does being? that come from, right? Wow. Like, but it makes sense when the thing walks across the street on all fours and then stands up on its hind legs and turns around and looks at her. Like, what the heck? It's not yeah. like a deer walking across the street. It doesn't know what it sees. This thing knew what it was looking at, it seems. Yeah, like, reminds me of the black-eyed kids, you know, when it was just looking at it like, why don't you get out of the car, lady? We just want to use your telephone. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we my love goodness. the black-eyed children. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're coming back. Maybe we'll do a Halloween episode on the black-eyed children. Well, I have. I told you, you don't know, remind me, Kev, because I do have a black-eyed child account. Ah, uh, we're doing it on Halloween, Bill. All right, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to dig that up and uh, put it aside, and that. That is freaky deaky. We might have to dress up like black-eyed children. <laughs> Go do some trick-or-treating. That yeah. thing to worry about, I just want to borrow your telephone. Yeah, yeah. No, you can keep the candy. <laughs> I don't like candy. <laughs> I'll take it all later. <laughs> After you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, so that's uh, another episode of Dogman Encounters in Michigan. And, you know, the, the you know one of the most famous ones is uh, that's very similar to this is the Beast of Bray Road, which we also covered. And that's over in Wisconsin, you know, but same same general area. Yeah. And that Total monster, creep show. that monster was out in those cornfields over there on Bray Road. There's a bunch of farms Absolutely. over there. You got it. And listen, you know, uh, once again, folks, you're talking about some hard-working farm people uh, 
they don't have an axe to grind with anybody. And, you know, they're no. just seeing stuff that doesn't belong on their acreage and, and identifying it. And like, man, I don't know what it is, man, or where it comes from, but I sure did see it. Yeah, so, just trying to make a living, you know. Yeah, I mean, I honor those statements. That's the difference. I don't need to pick that man or woman apart Oh, like I'm a detective, you know. Answer the question again, if you would. Where were you on the... No, it, it just doesn't <laughs> make sense, you know. I'm with you. You get a gut feeling about an individual that they're just being truthful and honest with you, and uh, and and that's it. That's all there is yep. to it. Wow. I'm with you. Curve, what did you say the first account was 1895 I on record? 1897. Let me check it here. Wow. In my notes. Might be 1887, actually. What? Uh, and not uh, that I'm 1887 lo- in Wexford County, Michigan. So that was in Wexford County. Well, this modern one is further south. Yeah, yeah. Wexford's no, but I'm saying north, all yeah. of these are in Michigan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Except for the Beast of Bray Road, which was out in Wisconsin. Nearby. Wow, that, that's funny. I mean, you know, the dog man... Well, I can't say that because uh, I, I've had a couple in other locations, but certainly most of the dog man are in Michigan. It's, it's a regional some thing. Some people call it the Michigan dog man too. Yeah, it's a regional thing, like a uh, moth man. Yeah. Yep. Or the Jersey Devil. Yep. Things like things like that. They're kind of regional. Like you don't hear of anybody saying they saw the Jersey Devil in uh, I don't know Texas. No, it's just it's or North Carolina. Or we, don't, North Carolina. we don't bring those Jersey Devils down here. <laughs> yeah, yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was excellent, my brother. And, yeah, it's a uh, good one. I like it. Yeah, no, good stuff. And I have uh, something real interesting here. Uh, this account was told to me by a fellow named Kenny Spillane, a resident of uh, Northern California. And this is what Kenny uh, and his family actually experienced while camping in the woods within King's Canyon. On August 15th of 2002, my family and I took our camper up into the canyon for a week of rest and relaxation. My truck is an F-650 diesel which was modified to tow the largest camper that I could get on the back of it. I also had a custom-built set of aluminum detachable stairs built, which made it easier to get in and out of the camper's rear door. Not that it means anything to anyone, but I have 165000 invested in this truck camper setup. We were up in the sticks, enjoying our time off together, when on the second night, my daughter awoke the whole crew with a loud, Ooh! As soon as I opened my eyes, I said to her, What's wrong? She said, I'm not sure. I was sleeping, and for some reason I woke up, and when I did, I swore that something was grinning at me through the window. And no sooner did I think that, it was gone. I said to her, 
what did uh, whatever this was you saw look like? She said, all that I saw was a big, wide grin, the teeth, which looked like a carved pumpkin. And then it was gone. And that's when I said, oh. Now, the fire was still going outside. And my son and I grabbed the flashlights and my pistol. We stepped outside to have a look around. There was nothing that we saw. And so we threw some more logs on the fire and went back inside the camper. I told my daughter that maybe it was some type of residual dream or something of the sort, having no idea what a residual dream would be, but it sounded good at the time. The following day, we were making lunch, cooking franks and beans on the fire. We started to hear what sounded like several owls hooting. The sounds were coming from a number of different directions, but then all of them had stopped shortly after we were done cooking and eating. My son had commented that he didn't think owls were around during the day, and my wife followed in suit, saying that she believed they were in fact nocturnal. Frankly, I didn't know one way or the other, but I listened to what they both had said. That afternoon, it started to drizzle, but we went out for a walk anyway, wearing our ponchos. When we had returned to the campsite, my wife noticed that two of our chairs were missing. As we looked all around the site for the chairs, the reality was that, in fact, two of our folding chairs were gone. Now, when I use the term campsite, I'm referring to the place where we had parked. We were alone and in the middle of nowhere. As far as we knew, there was nobody else around. We hadn't seen or heard anything except for these owl sounds. Nevertheless, we were wet and tired, so we hung up our rain gear on some hooks, which I had installed on the back of the camper, and we went inside. Nightfall was fast approaching, and we were all somewhat troubled, not knowing who or what was wandering around unseen by us that had taken our chairs. My wife and daughter were already saying that they wanted to get out of here, but I told them I'm exhausted and that we would leave in the morning. It was about 10.30 p.m., my daughter was reading a book in the upper bunk while the three of us were playing cards. Suddenly, something slammed into the side of the camper. It had hit the camper so hard that some of the interior trim popped off the wall. My wife screamed, and my daughter started to cry. This camper had been modified as well as the rear of my cab, so that I could step through a small hatch into the truck. I passed through the hatch and started the engine. As soon as it was running, the truck started to rock back and forth violently, to the point where I thought it was going to flip over. 
The girls and my son were being tossed about in the camper, slamming back and forth against the walls while my own head had already crashed into the window several times. At some point, my eyes had caught a glimpse in the West Coast mirrors of a huge creature that was leaning against the side of the truck. It had to be enormous because I could only see it from, say, its waist down as I was looking down the side of the truck in the mirror. The truck was still rocking as I slammed it into gear and punched it, sending the whole family in the back tumbling into the back of the camper. The only thing I could think of was getting out of there and getting out of there fast. The path was not terrible, but it wasn't good by any means. As I punched a truck and had moved maybe a hundred feet, two final crashing blows resounded against the back of the camper, which sounded like it was hit with the trunk of a tree. Everyone was crying and screaming as my son made his way now up into the cab. I asked if everyone was okay, and besides being roughed up a bit, everyone was, in fact, all right. When we had cleared the woods, making it out onto the main road, I let out a sigh of relief. My son said to me, Dad, what was that? I told him and the girls that I believed I saw a Bigfoot in the side mirror of the truck. On a trip back, everyone had fallen asleep, and I just kept driving, not caring if I ever slept again, with my only thought being that of getting everyone back home and safely. Having made it back to the house in seven hours, I woke everyone up, and they all staggered into the house. I asked my wife to make me some coffee while I stayed outside to do an inspection of the truck and assess whatever damage had been done to it. The roof and the side panels of the camper had separated from each other, apparently where this beast had been grabbing it. On the rear of the camper, where the two final blows had landed, there were two large indentations. One was on the right rear, and the other was on was right on the seam where the door met the frame, both being about eight inches deep. It looked as though two boulders had slammed into the rear of the camper. The camper was totaled by the insurance company. When I had told the agent what happened, he just shook his head in disbelief. What do you think of that, Kev? Holy cow, Bill. And uh, like this F-650, have you ever seen one of these trucks? I have seen them, and they are freaking monsters. I mean, it's like a, a tow, you know, what they would make a tow truck out of to pull a tractor trailer. Like, right. Big- I mean, not literally, but they are beasts. Yeah. Nothing and- like a, a Ford pickup truck. Yeah, well, obviously, this guy had some disposable cash sinking 165 k into a camper setup. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I mean, this is a freaking monster, and and a monster attacked a monster. No doubt about it. But I mean, that gives you a feel when he says he's in the biggest. What do you say? The biggest camper 
that you can pull and the thing's shaking around, you know, in my words, not his, like a Tonka truck, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, the fact also, too, now, look, we know what campers are made like. I mean, I I don't never owned one, but, I mean, what are we talking about? Yeah, they're not. They're not super sturdy. Right. Pop, Pop riveted. Aluminum panels, insulation. Yeah, know. on top of uh, like uh, composite board. Yeah, know. so it's not yeah. like you're attacking a Brinks truck. No, but no. still, the idea that the uh, it, it, the seam had opened up from the roof and the side, or whatever he said, and the door yeah. frame in the back. I mean, really, you can't you can't just take a camper to a body shop and say, "Could you please fix this?" <laughs> Yeah. No, they're, they're not yeah. prepared for that, you know. I'm sure it was probably totaled. <laughs> yeah, you know, you'd guess. Well, that's what he said. The insurance company totaled it. Yeah, yeah. So, suffice to say, there was enough damage, and how the heck you would shake or rock uh, an F650 on a frame with a camper on the back? That's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, a, uh, uh, an earthquake, a good-sized earthquake out there would be tough shaking that beast. It's just unbelievable. I'm looking at a picture of one, and it's like they are ridiculous. Yeah, yeah they're, they're big ridiculous. monsters. And no yeah. doubt, uh, I'm sure this was like a dually, right? Uh, a single yeah. axle with dual wheels on the back? Yep, looks yeah. like they're all that way. Yeah. Big, big honking diesel. Yeah, yeah. yep, so... And it's got, literally, it has like, uh, you know, like uh, Peterbilt or Kenworth wheels on the thing, like that size. Yeah, monsters. Monsters. Yeah, uh, you know, and and here again, also, did you take note of the owl noises? Yeah, yeah. Remember, remember the guy in the tree stand in Tennessee? Yeah. That whole, that whole thing started with the owl noises in the fog. Yeah. And he's, he said... It didn't make sense to me, and they didn't sound real. And uh, I've been hearing a bunch of owls lately. I certainly now hope that they are owls. Well, <laughs> yeah, just wait and see, bro. <laughs> Whoa, wait a minute. At least it's not dog, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that you know of. I got that going for me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, so... I mean, cool. Have you ever heard of Kings Canyon? No, I haven't. But that yeah. doesn't mean anything. You know, yeah. there's a lot of canyons out there in California. Yeah, I'm sure they're all named. Yeah, Kings Canyon, Northern California. If anybody out there knows anything of the area, uh, please do chime in with us at uh, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Oh, that uh, sounds awesome. Yeah. So that's it, man. I mean that that's just another mind-blowing encounter. With, uh, you know, and it's funny. I was just thinking about this the other day, uh, all by my lonesome. It came into my mind. All of the accounts uh, revolving around uh, road building equipment, uh, the logger's tail where they were taking down that stand of timber and the thing came out. Yep. There's so many accounts revolving around people in the woods now uh, after a lot of logging and other stuff has been being done over, say, like the past 125, 50 years. 
I really don't think these creatures are happy about uh, man's imprint on the land. No, well, what kind of wild creature that lives in the forests uh, is going to be happy with that, right? I mean... Well, to to the extent, though, that they would kind of, like, take it out on you. Well, that's that, a different emotion, right? Like, the deer aren't going to take it out on you. Although, maybe that's why they're eating my plants. <laughs> yeah, that's vengeance. <laughs> I think it's more that we took their plants away. That's why they're coming out here to eat. But yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think they have that vengeful emotion. But maybe, uh, maybe the hairy man does. Yeah, or capable of it, you know? Yeah. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You know, to me, these animals... Uh, some are nicer than others, and I have nothing to quantify that statement other than let me go back to my paperboy days. One dog would know you were coming, run out wagging his tail because it wanted you to scratch it and pet it. It was like waiting for you to come by. Yep. And then the other dog, whether it blew out the front door or ran out of the back of the house or broke its leash, straight at you, snapping, growling, and snarling. I mean, so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean... Oh, I know. Talk about yin and yang. <laughs> Woo! One's out. got it in for you. Watch yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it, brother. So what do we got Awesome. listener mail segment? Yeah, we got some great listener mail. And this first letter, Bill, I, it's one of my favorites of all time. So it comes in from Paul in Kentucky, my all neighbor right. to the west here. And the subject is, love the show. And he writes, now listen here carefully. Dear Kevin. <laughs> something, something wrong with that boy. And he says, I love your podcast with you and your cousin Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, I kid, I kid. But I, I love it, Paul. That's awesome. I just watched my cousin Vinny the other day for like the 150th time. And I just laugh out loud all the time at my cousin Vinny with Fred Gwynn, Herman Munster playing the judge. It's just fantastic. <laughs> Down in Alabama. So, so Paul goes on to say, I first heard WJ on Sasquatch Chronicles and loved every second of it. I enjoy audiobooks since I work a lot. I always said if WJ would narrate the books, I would buy them. Recently, I found your podcast and I found out that he does narrate the books. When I heard that, I screamed, Yowie! <laughs> oh, get this, though, Bill. Everyone at the funeral service looked at me in disgust. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should have waited until after Uncle Jim's funeral and contained my excitement. <laughs> Kev, Kev, before you continue, if you remember, what the heck was that quote about the white thang lives? Oh, yeah, the white thang lives. <laughs> that was the white thang. Yeah, so he says, I, should, I guess I should have waited until after Uncle Jim's funeral and contained my excitement. And he says, listening from Kentucky, and by the way, we always carry guns larger than we think we're going to need. Just ask Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> you can see why it's one of my favorite, huh? Yeah, that's good stuff, especially screaming out in the middle of the funeral or the wake or whatever. 
Exactly. It's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> what was that yeah. guy's name? Paul? His name was Paul in Kentucky. Paul, awesome, brother, awesome. Yeah, great, great letter. Uh-huh. And now we hear from Gerald in Ontario, Canada. And this one, Bill, this is probably the 20th letter, maybe the third one we read, about the $6 million man match with uh, Bigfoot. And I okay. still haven't found this thing, so I have to find it out there. So uh-huh. he writes in, so Gerald writes in, Hey, guys, I recently heard you refer to the Bigfoot creature in The Six Million Dollar Man, played by Andre the Giant. Funny enough, I recently went down the rabbit hole on the Adams Family TV show, and it was actually Ted Cassidy, otherwise known as Lurch, you rang, yeah. <laughs> who played you the creature. <laughs> Keep up the great work, love the show. So we got to figure this out, Bill. Like a lot of folks say, it's Andre the Giant. And he's saying it's Ted Cassidy, otherwise known as Lurch. Yeah, I don't. I, you know, I can't I say. Any, I could say I was looking directly at uh, articles and reading them, pictures of Andre shaking the hand of uh, the six million dollar man. Then they showed him made up. Steve so what, Austin. Yeah, what I saw was definitely Andre the Andre. Giant. All and right, they call, well, let's they call go look him it by up. Name. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. I haven't had a chance yet. I keep forgetting about it. Yeah. All right. And Jeffrey writes in uh, and Jeffrey says, hi, guys, just want to check in and make sure you're all well. And we are, Jeffrey. Thanks for checking. I hope everything's OK. If you need anything, let me know. Well, Jeffrey, there are a few things we need, you know, like yeah. a bag of unmarked hundred dollar bills, you know. <laughs> Preferably a very large bag that you can only carry in an F-650 Ford pickup. That's correct. (laughs) You got that, brother? (laughs) And I wanted to let Bill know that I've sold four of his books so far at my shop. Uh I point them out to people if we happen to get on the subject of Bigfoot, and I even offer to sign them for people. But when they find out I'm not the author, they don't want me to sign it. (laughs) Yeah. I think I like Jeffrey. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And since the last time I talked with you, my daughters and I have started a podcast. It's called The Cryptids in Your Backyard. I'd love to have you both on at some point as soon as I learn how to record and edit properly. William can tell us about his books and paranormal activity, and Kevin can tell us about cryptids. Okay, I hope you're both doing well and have a wonderful day, week, month, and I'm looking forward to hearing your next podcast. Thanks, guys. So, Jeffrey, by the way, reach out, and uh, I'm happy to have a phone call with you to walk you through uh, how some of this technology works on the podcast front because I'm happy to do that because we wouldn't be doing this today if some other folks that had a podcast didn't walk us through the technology. So, Send us an email at BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, and uh, I'll reach out to you and try to set up a time to chat. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people out there, Kevin, you know this to be true, uh, who don't want anybody to know what they know. Yeah, You know, it's a very selfish, egotistical thing, you know, to keep everything to oneself, you know. Whereas 
Whereas my philosophy is there's plenty for everybody, and that includes me. Yeah. So I don't begrudge anyone anything, you know. Uh, but, <coughs> excuse me, I also contacted Jeffrey. Jeff, if you're out there, give me a call. I haven't talked to him in a while. Uh, he's a good guy. But the sheer notion of Jeffrey off- offering to sign the books for me. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey, what are you thinking about, brother? I think it's hysterical. <laughs> well, he didn't say he was going to sign it with your name. He's just saying, hey, I'll sign the book for you. You know, I would see myself doing that, too. Oh, you want the author to sign it? I thought you wanted my signature. <laughs> yeah, he's going to sign mean, before it. I, before I started <laughs> writing it, and I would point out, you know I'm not the author of this book, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my name is Henry Winkler. <laughs> Hey. My friends call me Fonz. Hey. <laughs> That's good. All right. Our next one comes in from Mark in okay. California. And he says, it was exciting finding your website after listening to your interview on Night Callers Radio with Lauren Smith. I recently became intrigued with the cryptic topic while, while, while watching Monster Quest on the History Channel, especially Bigfoot and the Jersey Devil. There we go. I recently discovered that right here in my backyard, just five miles east of Castro Valley, California, in Pleasanton, there were sightings in the Palomares Hills and Gold Creek area back in the 70s by two quail hunters and a lady that saw a huge Bigfoot creature crossing a dirt road near Hop Yard. I enjoy listening, and I'm looking forward to more content and encounter stories. I love Terror in the Woods. Please keep them coming. Thank you. Mark. Yeah. Uh, Kev, I, I reached out to Mark because whenever somebody tells me something about encounters, old or new, I'd like to speak to them and hear... Anything else they have to say about it. emails are always cut and dry. They're like text messages, most of them, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't heard back from them yet. So if you're out there, bro, I, I gave you my number. Give me a shout and we'll talk. But, cool. uh, I, you know, I'm just buzzing about when I hear people have heard about this or their friend said that or this and that. I want to know. I mean, I want to freaking know uh, what you know. So... Give me a call. Reach out to us, by the way. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time or the hundredth time, we want you to be a part of it. And you can contact us at BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com and hit the contact button and just uh, let me know. Reach out. No doubt about it. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, Bill. And our last letter comes in from Buddy in Louisiana. And the subject, coincidentally, is Dogman. Oh, man. Yeah. And Buddy says, so that shape-shifted Rougarou rascal scares us more than a Cat 5 hurricane. (laughs) (laughs) And Buddy writes, and that's scary. Do you think this creature is one of God's critters or the devil's work? And why do you think so? (laughs) And by the way... We always carry more gun than we think we're going to need, even when we run out to buy a container of milk. Buddy. (laughs) So what do I think it is? I think it's one of 
Buddy's children. Oh, 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 Buddy. I'm sorry what my brother said, Buddy. So what do you think, Bill? One of God's critters or the devil's work? Yeah, I definitely think it's the devil's work. Yeah, some kind of some kind of conjuring thing, or yeah, yeah, it's like you know all of these strange, really strange creatures. Not like Bigfoot isn't strange, but these other things, man, they're conjured up. There's some type of shape shifting, uh, you know, the the Rougarous and uh, well, like Buddy said, a shape shifting rascal. Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that these things are conjured up from the pit of hell. And uh, you're just getting a preview of, of what you're in for if you're on the wrong side of things, if you catch yep. my drift. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's wow. it, Bill. That's that's some great mail this week. Great account from you. And we had the little dog man and cryptids in the news and other oddities. And folks, thank you for all of those five star reviews. Keep them coming. We need them. It's the, virtually the only way we have to attract new listeners to the podcast. So give us five stars right now from your favorite podcast player. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And uh by the way, in case you missed it, I'm doing some readings on uh, TikTok. So if you're into that, you can look me up. Just type in. Uh, people have told me they typed in damn near anything and got me. But my ID is Do You w- mean literally you type in damn near anything? or And, and I come up. <laughs> <laughs> There's a picture of me winking at you holding a 45. <laughs> And there's a little header over me that says, welcome, come on in. Welcome, come on in. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing to worry about. (laughs) Nothing to worry about here. (laughs) Anyways, yeah. And by the way, if you happen to be wandering in the woods in Michigan, you better remember one thing, my friends. Always carry more gun that you think you're gonna need. Sleep tight.